The series premiere of Better Call Saul is over, but we're just getting started here on Better Call Saul Live on Post Show Recaps. And now, here they are, the two slipping jimmies of podcasting. I'm Rob Sestrino, and here I am with Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, here we go. Rob, here we go. I've got my Cinnabons all lined up. I'm ready to rock. Uh, Cinnabon is very good. Underrated Cinnabon. I've heard you've had a good Cinnabon in your day. Yes, I've had some fantastic Cinnabon in my time. Uh, very, very good. Really, it's uh, probably, uh, it's like uh, 30,000 calories, but uh, worth it. Is Cinnabon sponsoring this podcast? No, no. <laughs> are, they, are they sponsoring Better Call Saul? What a premiere night. Of course, uh, this is part one of the two-night premiere event of Better Call Saul. Antonio and I are live on Sunday night, or it might even be at this point Monday morning early uh, on the East Coast. For those of you guys uh, who stayed up late with us, we appreciate that. We'll be going live in our usual slot live after Better Call Saul on Mondays at 11.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be live to discuss and take your questions uh, tomorrow night as well as part of the two-night premiere. Antonio. Yeah, I'm ready to rock. I'm uh, loving the two-night premiere. Hopefully, we, as we talked about in our premiere, our preview podcast, hopefully we got some good uh, Walking Dead audience coming into this from, from The Walking Dead, coming into Better Call Stall. I, it feels like a lot of people who didn't watch Breaking Bad tuned in, too. So we'll see uh, exactly how much they enjoy it compared to those of us who went for the full ride. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, and uh, I'm sure if you didn't watch Breaking Bad, I feel like you'll get it, but I almost feel like it seems like they're not going to shy away from any Breaking Bad spoilers here. And again, if you are listening to the Better Call Saul podcast, um, we will be spoiling Breaking Bad. That goes without saying, right, Antonio? We're going to spoil the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be hard. we can't do this podcast with one hand tied behind my back and not spoil Breaking Bad. Okay, so we will be going all in. Of course, uh, I'm very lucky to do this show with Antonio, who, of course, is a real-life lawyer. That's not a joke. It's not a joke. I'm a real-life lawyer. Uh, some of my clients include people who maybe embezzled some money, maybe didn't. Uh, I also sometimes represent skateboarders who uh, maybe get hit by cars. Just your average run-of-the-mill clientele. Right, so we're very lucky to have Antonio and his expertise. In addition to being a real-life lawyer, of course, uh, Antonio is a... Mega, mega Breaking Bad super fan as well, correct? Yeah, I feel like you're giving me a little too much credit there. I'm maybe just mega Breaking Bad super fan, not <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, and so I just want to, you know, you know, flash the credentials. Yeah, well, I understand that. I mean, sometimes when you go into a room, you don't want your name on a matchbook for crying out loud. You want you want a building named after you. Right. All right. So Antonio and I are going to get into everything uh, here tonight and probably uh, be a little bit of a shorter show here tonight and then take more time after part two but i am very excited about this because uh i feel like it was probably more like breaking bad than i thought it was going to be antonio in what way would you say that rob i just feel like uh stylistically i feel like it was it, it looked like an episode of breaking bad in terms of how it was shot and i guess i should have expected that uh, it's probably all of the same, you know, DPs and stuff and stuff like that. So I feel like its look is uh, similar to Breaking Bad. And ultimately, the tone ended up being similar to Breaking Bad in that we're ending episode one on a cliffhanger. Yeah, and I think that's great. I We talked in our preview about how it would be difficult for this show to not be kind of a story of the week type show or where would the show uh, find its narrative 
from knowing what we know, which is where the characters end up and, and how everything plays out with Breaking Bad and how could they take their time and not end up there so quickly. So what I loved about this episode is that it really managed to balance everything so perfectly. Yeah, there was a little humor in it. Yeah, there were callbacks to Breaking Bad. Sure, there was some dramatic tension in the final third, especially uh, that we're building to a cliffhanger and some great narrative stuff there. But it's also a, a, a show that seemed to take its time. I mean, it had a little extra time from AMC tonight, and it really luxuriated in a lot of the scenes. So that, to me, is like a hallmark of Breaking Bad. Uh, and I really thought Better Call Saul did a fantastic job, not just, as you said, with the way it looked, but also the way it was paced and the tone and everything like that. Yeah. Again, it had all that sort of like unmistakable, like, uh, you know, uh, New Mexico, like uh, the architecture, everything. It really did... Uh, feel like you were back in that universe so i guess we have uh two top stories that we should be covering here at the top of the show that we don't want to bury uh let's start with one did you have any idea we would start with a flash forward to post breaking bad i did not expect that i i hopefully you were as surprised as i was, I was shocked because, yeah that was a punch in the gut in in more ways than one not only because it was a flash forward and i thought wait a minute this whole time we've been sold on a prequel like where are we going with this but also because it was just so damn sad. Yeah, it was really sad. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, Saul working at Cinnabon, it's, uh, you know, shades of uh, Tony Soprano, uh, you know, eating onion rings that he's just got to lives in this paranoid state for the rest of his days. Yeah, I think that's a really good, uh, really good connection. I, I it's it's sort of the road less traveled. We usually don't see our TV characters in sort of an extended epilogue. Uh, from what happens after the show, but uh, yeah, eating eating onion rings into infinity, and and kind of the the next part of that is quietly going about his business at home with the blinds drawn, watching old commercials of himself when he was at his heyday. Like that's pretty rough stuff, man. Yeah, it's very sad. Now, do you feel like we will be continuing to check in on future Saul, or do we just open the story there? And then that was like sort of like a lead into going back. See, I, I was going to ask you the same thing, and it isn't it isn't so much about what what we think might happen. I think it's more about what we want to happen. And I, I'm curious, I guess, do you want to see more of of kind of future Saul, or or is that enough for you to know that we got an epilogue essentially as a prologue? Well, um, I'd love to see more about future Saul, and I'm sort of conflicted about what I want to see happen to him now, based on how Breaking Bad ended. I mean, who's coming after Saul? Is it the Feds? It's a good question. I got to think the feds would be would be at the top of the list. But I mean, I don't think that guy he saw in Cinnabon and was worried about looked like a fed to me. So I think he's also worried about maybe people from a cartel or, or more than one cartel, uh, considering what Walter White was really into and what role Saul played. Uh, I think anything is really in play uh, from Mexico onto the feds uh, to maybe even people from Europe. I just Walter White's business touched so many people in such negative ways that I think Saul probably considers anybody as possibly uh, being on, on, you know, him being on anybody's target list is a big problem. So I'm a little worried about that. I don't know where we would get the narrative from. Like, where's the drama going to come from unless we find out about it uh, absent what Saul knows, like unless we see somebody tracking him or see somebody coming after him, it doesn't have to be somebody we already know from the show, but of course it would be great if they could find some loose end that we're not thinking about to tie back in. I mean, does the fact that, Saul or Jimmy, I don't know how we should refer to him on this show uh, at this point yet, but does the fact that Saul, in the future at least, we know uh, we'll call him Saul, 
the fact that he feels like he's in danger, does that sort of change things for you? Like as far as that we sort of felt like Skyler and Walter Jr. and all these other people, Marie sort of like ended up where, you know, they're sort of safe. They have that money coming to, you know, Walter Jr. and the trust fund. Are they in danger also? That's a very good question. I, I think the answer would have to be yes. Although if Walter's out of the picture, I don't know what real harm could come to them. But you, you hear these stories about Mexican drug cartels and heads being cut off and bodies being found and these horrible, horrible message murders. So I suppose anything is fair play. I, I, I do worry about them now a little bit more. But, you know, Saul's, Saul's kind of on the edge. Saul's kind of paranoid kind of guy who's always kind of sticking his finger up in the wind and figuring out which way it's blowing. So yeah. He may be as a little bit too paired. Uh, speaking of message murders, uh, did you think it was a coincidence that as when Saul was flipping through the TV, one of the things that he flipped down was uh, like sort of like a documentary about like a, uh, to- a tortoise? Yeah, that was a nice little connection, wasn't it? Yeah, that was very good, especially considering where the episode ended up going. It was a little bit of a foreshadowing. Or I guess it's the reverse foreshadowing because uh, we're seeing something in the future that connects to something in the past. Yeah, I guess that is it anti-shadowing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what what it is. But yeah, I'm interested to see if we are going to check back after, in. After shadowing. Yeah, check back in with more of future Saul. Or maybe is it going to be something where maybe in the you know first season finale we'll go back to him. I, I'd be surprised if we go, if we check in regularly with future Saul. Well, if you'll remember in season two of Breaking Bad, we had this sort of weird kind of device at the beginning of a few episodes. And I think it was the 737 episode, the down episode, the over episode and the Albuquerque episode. I might be getting those exact ones wrong, but there were there were those moments and, and they became extended sequences where we found out that a plane was going to crash uh, and there were bodies going to be found in Walter's yard and everything that happened with that. And that was kind of unfolding a little bit at a time and sort of a flash forward type sequence. So it's possible that we're going to see this happen a few times over the first season, and maybe we'll end the first season with a time jump. Uh, I don't know. We had talked about that before. I, they've kind of populated this universe with some interesting characters, Michael McKean among them, who I know we'll get into. So I'd hate to, to, to think that they're only going to give us one season in sort of pre-Albuquerque, uh, in pre-Breaking Bad Albuquerque. But I think that's something the show's done before uh, in terms of Breaking Bad. So it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a few more like this and we ended up catching up we'll see all right and then the other big story is a right turn that i don't think anybody ended up seeing where uh jimmy uh, jimmy mcgill ends up taken at gunpoint by tuco yeah that was that was crazy i mean tuco of all people this is a guy who didn't get to do enough in as i as i saw it in the first season and whose kind of line on breaking bad was was ended shortly so Great choice uh, to bring Tuco back. Are you excited to see Tuco back? Yes, very excited. Um, I'm just a, a little unclear. Uh, how did this switcheroo happen? Well, I think they just followed the wrong car. I just think that there was a similar car. We spent a lot of time in this episode talking about now what kind of what kind of what car what car is it? What color is it? What does the license plate look like? And I think they just ended up following the wrong car. Now it's possible that meek and quiet couple, including the husband with glasses is somehow tied into this large drug cartel. We have seen that on Breaking Bad before. But uh, but I would think that they just ended up following the wrong car. I don't know. Is that is that what your read on it was? or? I mean, I guess so. I was a little totally confused. Bum- yeah. I mean, you don't think bum- that there's puzzled. a... Yeah, very bum-puzzled. Uh, you don't think there's a connection between uh, the couple that Saul was trying to get as clients, right, to the 
uh, Tatuco and all of the Salamancas? So I'm saying I don't think there is, but I, I it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility considering what we know about Breaking Bad. And I'll just say that that husband reminded me a little bit of our sort of milk toast Walter White before he became Heisenberg. This sort of glasses wearing, shirt tucked in, real meager guy. His wife's telling him what to do, sleep on it, that sort of thing. There was a little bit of a shadow there. So it wouldn't surprise me uh, if if that were the case. Although I don't think that's what the show is saying. Uh, this show exists in a world where we've seen this happen uh, in the future, I guess. Uh, and so we know as an audience that this is something that could be. Uh, so it wouldn't wouldn't shock me. But I think they just ended up following the wrong car. Yeah. I mean, the guy is being accused of stealing a lot of money. Um, I mean, if that was sort of tied into the uh, Mexican drug cartel, I mean, it wouldn't be a crazy shock. No, it wouldn't. And and there have been, again, with the stuff that happened with Ted Bernicke and everything that happened in Breaking Bad with Skyler and with Walter, uh, it's, it's not something that would come as a shock to us because we've seen it. And it would be just like Vince Gilligan to twist that knife this way. Uh, but I, I don't know that the show has suggested that's the case. But it, it very well could be. We'll, we'll, we'll see pretty quickly, I think, in the next episode here, I would imagine. Now, tomorrow night, when we pick this story up, what do you think are the chances of seeing anyone else from Tuco's immediate family? Uh, maybe an uncle, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe an uncle, maybe some cousins. Yeah, there we yeah. go. I got some bell in there. Yeah. Yes. That would be fantastic. That's my favorite character. Are you ready to jump right right back in or or do you do you uh would you rather see that kind of held off for a later episode? Well, I wasn't expecting that much. I mean, I almost feel like it's too much. I mean, as excited as I am for the Breaking Bad crossover stuff, I I almost feel like I would have rather have waited and not had it be there in the first episode. Do you think that the creators of the show Vince Gilligan and company, do you think they felt like they really needed to service the Breaking Bad audience here in this first episode with the flash forward and then also tying the end back into a bad guy from breaking bad. I think so. And, and I think that, that, as I said, I think Tuco is the right choice because ultimately he's what, he's like a four or five episode character on breaking bad. Uh, he's not one of the big, big bads on breaking bad. He's sort of like a, an underboss or like a mini boss uh, that young Walter white and Jesse Pinkman come up against. And that uh, Walter almost quickly gets into this confrontation with that ends with, Hank taking him out, but it's not one of the biggest, biggest moments on Breaking Bad. But Tuco is very memorable uh, because how crazy he was and because it was really like the highest stakes at the beginning of the, the series of Breaking Bad. So I think he's the right call if they're going to make that call. But yeah, I do think they felt the need to, to grease the wheels a little bit. But that said, I hope we don't see um, Hector Salamanca, Uncle Tio or Tio uh, in, in the episodes this early. I mean, it would be great to see him and I'm I'm looking forward to possibly seeing him again, but I think it would be too early to just bring him right into the next episode. What about the cousins? Yeah. And what about the cousins? I mean, we know they're in Mexico, so who knows where this crazy twisted Vince Gilligan inspired storyline with Saul could end up. He could end up in Mexico. So we could see the cousins. I mean, these are again, characters that we could bring back that were, that existed on the show for, I think the cousins are only on the show for six or seven episodes. So I mean, I think it's uh, I think they're great characters, memorable characters, but ultimately over the lifespan of Breaking Bad, you're talking about Tuco being a very short term character. So let's let I'm 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 eager for some more Tuco. I, I want to dive into this character some more. 
Okay. Um, I'm eager, eager to see how this is all going to work out for Saul because I feel like this is really going to be a, a departure from everything else that he's working on. I mean, he's in a relatively low stakes uh, world at this point. Do you think that somehow he's going to end up that Tuco is going to be the person that is going to start getting him more and more into this criminal underworld? It certainly seems that way, although from the context of Breaking Bad, I don't think we had that connection that uh, the Tuco and, and Saul were really tight. I know Saul knew of Tuco and had kind of mentioned him, but I, I don't think we had we had known that they were closer, had some great connection. But that said, uh, he's the perfect kind of guy. He's this kind of if, if Tuco says, hey, I need somebody to help me launder some money and I need somebody to help me do some dirty business. He's finding Saul at a very appropriate time to do that. Saul's already talked about in this episode, how he's sort of at the end of his rope, trying to support his brother uh, and, and all these other things that are happening with Saul. He's got all these past due bills. His, his fingers are crossed that he's going to sign new clients. So he's in a very bad way for sure. So he's the sort of guy that's pretty ripe for this, this thing to happen. I mean, he's already willing to run a scam on what he considered to be one of his clients. So it's not that far for him to go. He just defended somebody who cut a corpse's head off and unfortunately fornicated with it. So he's not exactly a guy of high moral character when we meet him in this series. Yeah. Wasn't that a real like breaking bad hallmark of that, you know, typical like Walter White of right. All right, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. It's going to go blah, blah, blah. When this happens, you do this. When this happens, you do this and it's going to be fine. And then the plan goes starting to go well. And then something, of course, uh, goes haywire. And then the entire plan ends up backfiring. Yes, this, this is certainly that this whole deal got Drew Sharp for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so poor Drew Sharp. Poor R.I.P. Drew Sharp. Yeah. And and uh, it was just very funny to see, you know, Saul recruit these uh, two skateboard guys and then ultimately uh, have it all backfire. Uh, also, uh, shades of Marty McFly for these uh, skateboard guys hanging on the back of the pickup truck. I was expecting to hear uh, some power of love. Yeah, I thought maybe the truck might crash into a manure truck or something like that. I thought manure. there were some good options there. Yeah, oh, he, they but hate manure, hate those two guys. That's right. I hate manure. Uh, were you disappointed that there wasn't more Mike Ehrmantraut in this episode? I, I personally wasn't. Were you? I mean, I just sort of a, a little bit just because uh, it was sort of a, almost like a, it, it seemed like that was like a cameo, uh, his spot more so than he was going to be a character in the show. Yeah, and, and I, I, I appreciate that. And I think as a standalone, that, that is a valid criticism. What I do like is that the fact that we didn't get more Mike is, I think, a sign that the show is going to be willing to take its time with some of this stuff. That uh, one of the scenes that they showed as a preview to this series uh, is a much longer scene with Mike and Saul that isn't even apparently from this episode. So I do like that uh, that we're going to see more Mike and that we know that Mike and Saul are going to come together. So I'm fine with all that not happening at this very moment. Uh, but I was kind of surprised we didn't see Saul go back with the five punch on the card and really prove a point to Mike in that moment. So maybe one more scene with Mike would have been a little would have been a little better, but. I do like that the show is willing to take its time with these things. And I think people are going to stay on board for it. Now, one of the things that we spent a lot of time with on the episode was the relationship between Jimmy and Chuck. And obviously Chuck was part of a very successful law firm, which Chuck was one of the people that had started it. And then like, apparently uh, Chuck has become ill. 
Do we get a diagnosis? Do we know what uh, is exactly wrong with Chuck? We don't. It, it certainly seems like some sort of electromagnetic sensitivity. Uh, he's obviously turned off all the power in his house. He makes Saul ground himself, and by that he means uh, take the electric charge off of his clothing and body uh, before he enters the house. He makes him remove all electric or metal devices uh, before he enters the house, and he makes others do this as well. So he clearly believes he has some sort of electromagnetic sensitivity. Saul at one point says, hey, when you go back, you're going to be around all those electromagnetic things because you're not going to have any money and you're going to be on the streets and that's what it's going to be. So he clearly has some sort of electromagnetic sensitivity. What, Where that comes from or if that's the only thing or, or if that's a side effect of some medicine or something, I don't think that's 100% clear. I have heard of that condition, uh, but I, I'd always heard it was sort of a crackpot condition. Yeah. It's not something that's like an official diagnosis. So I don't know what's going on there. My read on it was that, I mean, I think that Chuck has cancer and I think that maybe he's like, you know, now he's getting into sort of like uh, alternative medicine type cures and something, maybe he read something that said, oh, it's, you know, the reason you have cancer is because of the electromagnetism. And if you cut that out, then you will be able to, uh, you know, beat the cancer. Um, but yeah, I thought that the show left it, uh, kind of open-ended. I thought the cancer thing at first as well, especially like maybe he was in some sort of chemotherapy that was making him especially sensitive or that that was a problem for him. But I, I, I definitely think they stayed pretty far away from making that clear, except for him continually saying, I'm going to get better. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to get, but that's the kind of thing that someone with cancer says, especially a, a beatable one. So I don't know. I guess we'll find out more as we go along. Okay. Um, can you uh, get into a little bit more of what's going on as far as this settlement that Jimmy is trying to fight for and what the ramifications are of Chuck taking the $826 stipend? Yeah, law firms and businesses are ultimately a partnership. And like any partnership, if uh, a partner is not participating in the partnership anymore, or not part of the business, uh, they can elect to be bought out. And usually partnerships are guided by whatever the partnerships laws that, you know, whatever their agreement has been reduced to. And so in order to buy him out of the partnership, they'd have to give him a whole bunch of money, his share of whatever the business is worth. And to do that, they probably would have to liquidate their assets, depending on how much cash they have on hand. Because it sounds like he was a really valuable guy. So what Saul is trying to do, it sounds like is try to negotiate that buyout. And what Chuck Stahl's brother is saying is, look, if they buy me out, all my clients are going to be on the street. They're not going to have anybody representing them anymore. I'm not going to be there for them. He wants to really personally do this and he still wants to be part of the business. So he doesn't want to be bought out. And I think that that's the central struggle there. And it sounds like that what the, what the Hamlin guy, what his move is, is to try to kind of get one up on Saul by, by virtue of just paying, paying Chuck a little bit of a stipend there by paying him a little bit every week so that he is still part of the business and they don't have to buy him out. He's still, is able to sustain himself even though he's not working or billing. Oh, and in return, they're still going to use his name. They brought over a stack of papers for Chuck to put his name on that they could file to make it look like he was still part of the law firm. And this happens a lot with law firms. It's usually because senior partners are very old uh, and some somehow infirm and they're not capable of doing business anymore, but their name still means a lot. So they still use their name even though they're not actively working on the cases. And it seems like that's what they're trying to do with Chuck. Now, does Jimmy have the authority to negotiate for Chuck on any of this? 
It seems questionable, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not a. Uh, it's not 100% clear. I mean, look, look, Saul's not exactly the most over-the-table kind of guy. Uh, and I got the impression, I don't know if you did, that this is not the first time he stormed into that law firm and left it angry. Yeah. I mean, he came in not acting like he had not been there before. Yeah. he had he, the, the garbage can that he kicked already had a dent in it, which was definitely reminiscent of the, the towel machine in Breaking Bad that Walter punches in the clinic. Uh, he stood there and smoked the cigarette from the lady who he clearly knew. Uh, so this is, I don't think this is something he's, he's done for this. I don't think this was the first time he's done this. Yeah. Um, and so also Jimmy has a relationship with one of the women that's uh, at the law firm. Uh, do we know anything yeah. more about this? No. Yeah. That's the lady whose cigarette that he took a pull of that I was just talking about. And I don't know um, what the deal is there other than he definitely seems to have some sort of pre-existing relationship with her. And they seem to at least be on somewhat better terms than, than he is with the, the other, the Hamlin, the name partner. So I don't exactly know what that is, but I guess we'll find out more uh, in the weeks to come. Yeah. I mean, it seems like uh, there'd been some sort of romantic relationship. She's saying to, or he's saying to her, like, uh, can't you just, she's just like shutting him down right away. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Okay, uh, any other takeaways from night one of Better Call Saul? No, I mean, my uh, my big takeaways were that I thought the show did a really good job uh, with the call-outs to Breaking Bad. There were a couple more uh, little, just sneaky little moments in there. Um, and I think that the show did a really good job with that. But also balancing uh, the, the, the want or desire to do that with the want or desire to make it its own standalone show. Um, and have the kind of same existing universe of Albuquerque that we've seen through Vince Gilligan's lens, uh, but but in a different way. So I thought the show did a really did really good a bit of business with that. Uh, I really, I, what did you think of of Saul telling that that Slip and Jimmy story? I mean, that's I think that's obviously supposed to be Saul. Uh, my question is 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 that does Bob Odenkirk in that moment really nail that story for you? And is this the kind of thing where you're like, okay? I can buy this character in a, in a kind of standalone series. Yeah. I like the, uh, slip and Jimmy story. I mean, it did seem like he was almost a vintage Saul Goodman in that moment, uh, talking to those guys. So I felt like I thought we were going to be seeing him in more of a transition and not necessarily a fully formed, uh, Saul. And while he's not quite there yet, I mean, that seemed very Saul, uh, a very soft thing for him to be doing. Yeah. And, and I, it's funny because breaking bad, we, we've talked about turning Mr. Chips into Scarface and the, the weird reverse character arc. But I mean, it certainly seems like though we're meeting Saul Goodman who can be loquacious and he's kind of a good bullshitter. And we already see that he's got these skills. He doesn't seem to have broken as bad as we know he's going to break. So it is interesting to see him in a similar position where he's not nearly as dirty as we're going to see him, nor as successful, quite frankly. He's not, you know, the number one guy that all the criminals in Albuquerque are looking to. Uh, so I do think that's interesting to meet him in that moment. I think some other examples of that, his office, right? He's in the back of this weird nail studio yeah. and he, he knows all the ladies. They won't let him drink the, the cucumber water. I think that's great. Um, I think that it was uh, a, a kind of, at least to me, a very subtle little Breaking Bad reference his office door is right across from laundry. Like there's a laundry machine there, uh, which reminded me of, of Walt's office being on the other side of a laundry uh, with the meth lab. So I think that there's a lot of really great little subtleties going on in this show. 
Uh, and I think for fans of Breaking Bad, I, at least myself, it, it, it was a wonderful little tribute uh, in, in little moments like that without it overwhelming the show. And I thought the character was able to stand on his own, that we're meeting him in this moment where he still has the skills of Saul Goodman, but he hasn't necessarily learned how to put them in practice. I liked that the skateboard kids didn't get the drop on him and didn't get to put one over on him, that he sniffed it out and that he knew they were running the scam on him. I liked that he already had some of his heroic qualities about it. So I, I was very happy with the way this, this first episode turned out. I really like the scene, which was uh, the first scene we ended up seeing of Jimmy McGill after the opening uh, flash forward where he's, you know, we have the courtroom and it's like, you know, painfully quiet. Everybody's waiting and he's like pumping himself up in the men's room and he comes in and he's like, all right, boom, like uh, 19 years old. You all remember. And he gives like his whole big thing. And it's like, OK, that's, that's pretty good. Let's that's, uh, you know, let's see what the jury says. And the prosecutor just they don't even say anything. They just like yes. wheel out the the TV on like the squeaky cart and play the tape. Um, and it was like it was I thought that was a very dark comedy, but I was like cracking up. Yeah, that was great. I mean, you go from the devil's advocate scene in the bathroom and he bursts into the courtroom and he's alive. He is in that moment. He is Saul Goodman. And it's like, wow, like he's got it. This is great. And he just won his clients a big case. And it's like, oh, no, his clients are awful. And he totally, totally just lost because all he had to do was play a tape to counter that great speech he just gave. Like that is all it took. That was fantastic. Antonio, do you think is there anything thematically to all of the tapes in this episode? I mean, I think that it was I mean, either it was just a coincidence or maybe there's something to this. I mean, of course, we see Saul in the opening scene. He's popping in a VHS tape and watching his old clips uh, in the courtroom scene. Uh, the thing that ends up beating him is that the prosecutor plays a tape. The skateboard guys, they've got a video camera and they have their tapes. I mean, weren't there a lot of videotapes involved in this first episode of Better Call Saul? There were. And I, and I don't know what to make of that. I don't. I mean, it's a videotape era, not a uh, cell phone or a DVD era. There are cell phones, but you know, it's not the kind of modern tech era we're in. So it does serve to date the show a little bit uh, in a way that I'm sure they wanted to do. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't know thematically uh, what impact that it has. I think it's very interesting uh, that you've made that connection. Uh, Saul, even in the, uh, in the, in the future, Saul is pulling that tape out. So it's sort of like the tape represents this era gone by uh, this time that used to be and then when we flash back to that era, tapes are all the rage and everybody's taping everything. Uh, and that's that's kind of what we've got going. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a that's an interesting observation. And just like everything else, certainly something I think we should flag for a future reference. Should we see more videotapes in this series as a whole? That might be something we can track as we go forward. Yes. Uh, is that a, a VHS joke? Or we're going to track something stuff? we can track. Yes. As we go. forward. Uh, also, Chris Berger in the chat points out that Vince Gilligan, when he was on Community, played a character in a VHS board game. He did a Wild West weird VHS shoot 'em up board game. So, and that that is, uh, it's just Vince Gilligan apparently is just a VHS kind of guy living in a Blu-ray world. Yeah, a streaming world. Yes. All right. So, uh, Antonio, if uh, you don't have anything else on tonight's episode, I feel like uh, we've covered uh, just about everything. I think from the premiere. I'm uh, very much looking forward to diving into everybody's questions uh, after tomorrow night's episode when we're live again on Post Show Recaps, 11.15 p.m. Eastern Time. 
yeah, I don't have anything else. Just definitely uh, tweet us to your questions or, or put them up on our, our show page and we'll, we'll definitely address them tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you could also send us email, bettercallsaul at postshowrecaps.com. We're working on getting the dedicated podcast feed going as well. Once we're approved by iTunes, I'll get a link up for that. In the meantime, you can subscribe to all of Post Show Recaps at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. Looking forward to this. This was uh, more fun than I expected. I, I thought that maybe it might be a little bit of a letdown, but no, no letdown here, Antonio. No letdown. And Rob, I guess tomorrow we're going to know the first results of our bet as to whether Better Call Saul's premiere is going to have more people watching it than Breaking Bad's finale. I said yes. You said no. All right. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, 10 million people is a lot of people. It's a, but I think I got to think like, and the Grammys were on and I didn't know that. So I feel like if you knew that you stand back. Me. No, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah. I only knew that because, uh, my, then, um, when I was watching better call Saul, then my wife wanted to change the channel and put the Grammys on. So that's how, that's how she, I learned that. She really wanted to see Sam Smith. That's what <laughs> I understand. Nicole Sestrino, big Sam Smith. Fan. Yes. Who is it? All right. Uh, Antonio, do you have a hashtag for night one? Uh, what what do we think? Cinnabon? I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. Did we say anything that's hashtag worthy here, Rob? Hmm. I don't know if we said anything hashtag worthy. Did Saul say anything that was hashtag worthy? Um. Uh, how about slipping Jimmy? Hashtag slipping Jimmy. Slipping is that with an with a ing or in? Just in. Okay, slipping Jimmy. Okay. All right. Very fun. Thanks, Antonio. Uh, follow Antonio on Twitter. He's at AC Mazzaro. Let's put that up on the screen for you guys to see. Uh, a, uh, that's M-A-Z-Z-A-R-O. If you're listening to the podcast version, I'm at Rob Sisternino. Of course, uh, check out Post Show Recaps and leave us your comments about night one of Better Call Saul. And we'll talk to you guys after night two on Monday night, 11.15 p.m. Eastern time. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Bye.